Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, it is 1.19 p.m. on Monday, July 1st. We just finished recording that entire episode. Full disclosure, we walked into the studio at about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So anything that happened this morning may not be included in this because we just physically couldn't. But I think it's very important to understand the timing of all of this. So that's as up-to-date as one could possibly be. (laughs) Okay, now here we go. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome to our fourth ever emergency podcast. If you remember, we did a three-part series when Jordan Gate initially broke. We then did one about the Lala Kent, Randall Emmett 50 Cent drama. We then did a James Charles breakdown. And this, if anything has ever been deserving of an emergency podcast, this God is damn it. it. Is this. So just before we even get started, I want to set the scene for where we were when this kind of all unraveled, because it seems to be some sort of a phenomenon that every time one of us is getting our nails done, major news breaks. It's the same reason that we will not get manicures at the same time, because God forbid both of our hands are in the thing and we have to format a comment. So naturally, Julie is about to walk into the nail salon and Justin Bieber makes the post. So I'll let her explain that and then we're going to get into it. I get, I like, I'm literally so stressed, like reliving the moment of having to do this. I'm standing on the street outside, across from the nail salon, like avoiding going in because we're formatting in. I know as soon as I go in, it's like, I'm like, I was like scared to tell you where I was. I was scared to be like, I have a nail appointment. <laughs> and like on any other day, you'd be like, wouldn't even give it less than a shit. You'd be so happy. But like on today, I was like, holy fuck, how am I supposed to do this? So I'm in the nail salon. I walk in because now my phone's dying and I'm like, I need a charger. I walk in and I'm like, listen, I need a gel manicure. I called and made an appointment, but I need to sit for 10 minutes with a charger before you do anything. And they're like, uh, okay. So she plugs in the charger to the wall and she's like, give me your phone. I was like, oh, oh no, that's not going to work. I was like, I, I need to hold it. So she's like doing one hand, having me soak it. I'm texting you with the other, like formatting it, posting it, whatever. She comes over to take my gel that I had off. And she's like, you didn't soak that hand. I was like, oh, I uh, I like stuck it in right before she got there. It's like when you try to do your homework before the teacher collects it. I stuck it in right before she got there. I was like, no, no, it's been soaking for 20 minutes. It just won't come off. She's like, you you didn't soak it at all. And I was like, I, I was like, you don't understand what is happening right now. The, the only thing I can equate this to is when Justin Bieber and Haley announced that they were getting married, my nail lady posted the Instagram. That's how desperate like of a time it was. So yeah. Yes, we had the full panic that you all had. I'm telling you, even right now, we were up till 3 a.m. really getting all the facts straight. This is how this is going to go down, okay? First, we are going to do a chronological breakdown of every single thing that happened, okay? We're going to lay out all of the facts, all of the receipts from both sides. Then we will engage, after all of that so that everybody is caught up, we will engage in a discussion about it. I want to say a couple of things. Number one, there's going to be a lot of reading because we kind of just have to. We can't assume that everyone's seen everything. And I think it's different when you hear it versus when you read it, number one. And number two, let's just like get the elephant in the room out of it, which is I know in the past we have maybe conveyed some sort of a bias against Taylor Swift in the sense that we've been vocal that we're not on that same bandwagon that a lot of people are. That being said, 
When we are breaking down what happened, that is not being taken into account. We will be as objective as one physically can when breaking it down. In the discussion, maybe some of our personal opinions come out, but none of those have anything to do with any of our previous thoughts. It's just on what happened. And we're really, we really worked hard on this when I was on the phone for a very long time last night with one of my good friends who's a diehard Taylor Swift fan. I'm, we're getting both sides and we want to just explain it to you guys because from what we've experienced, there's a lot of confusion. And I get it. It's very confusing. It's way more confusing than like a Jordan Tristan situation. This has a lot a more lot moving A lot of parts. moving pieces. Okay. Are you nervous? Um, I'm not nervous. I'm just excited to get it to, to really get started. I mean, you should have seen the way we were talking about it this morning. My glam squad lady was like, couldn't be more involved in, in this drama. Oh, she loved it. She loved it. Okay. So before we kind of break down chronologically every single thing that happened, it's important to set the scene and explain who the major key players are that we're going to be discussing. The first person is obviously Taylor Swift. She needs no introduction, massive star, singer, songwriter, artist, everything. Second person is Scooter Braun. He is one of the most famous talent managers. He is the founder of SB Projects and the chairman of Ithaca Holding. He's probably most famous for basically discovering Justin Bieber. If you remember, he is the person that brought Justin Bieber to Usher, and that was kind of where Justin's entire career catapulted. Some of his other very famous clients, in addition to Justin, are Ariana Grande, formerly Kanye West, Demi Lovato, Usher, Hilary Duff, etc. Third person is Scott Borchetta. He is the founder of Big Machine Label Group. So in terms of his background with Taylor, which is so important to all of this, Taylor signed with Big Machine Label Group as their first client ever when she was 14. As of November 2018, when her contract with Big Machine expired, she then signed with Republic Records. In her new deal with Republic Records, she would maintain ownership of her masters going forward. It's important to note that previously to November of last year, in August of last year, it was reported that Taylor's streaming and sales accounted for 34.6% of the Big Machine Label Group's market share for the year. That's not to say that they don't have other excellent artists, such as Florida Georgia Line, Lady Antebellum, Rascal Flatts, Reba, Cheryl Crow, Thomas Rhett, etc. But obviously she is, you know, there's no debate of that. She is their most massive client or, or was. Next person is Yael Braun. She is Scooter Braun's wife, and she's been very vocal throughout this whole situation. Next person is Todrick Hall. He is a singer, songwriter, actor, um, probably most famously known initially for being a YouTuber. He's very, very close friends with Taylor. He appeared in her Look What You Made Me Do video and most recently in her You Need to Calm Down music video. Allison Kay, she is the president of SB Project, which is obviously Scooter's, Scooter's company. And lastly, Eric Logan. Eric Logan is a board member of Big Machine Label Group, and he was previously the president of the Oprah Winfrey Network for seven years. Good job. <laughs> Thank Ec you. Truly excellent job. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anyone else that you want to mention in this initial paragraph? No, I think these are the initial key important players. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So all of this starts because yesterday Scooter Braun announced that Ithaca Holdings, which is a media holding company which is led by Scooter, acquired Big Machine Label Group. That was, as I said, the independent label that was founded by Scott Borchetta. He acquired that for $300 million, okay? Just to be clear as to what that acquisition encompasses, it has all aspects of their business, including their client roster, distribution deals, publishing sides, and owned artist masters. Obviously, that includes the right to Taylor Swift's first six albums, okay? 
It should also be noted that her first six albums are the only albums that she currently has out. There's one that she's set to release with her new label, which is Republic. But as of right now, every single song, aside from things that have come out post November of 2018, is what Scooter Braun now owns as like the owner and acquirer of Big Machine Label Group. It's also important to note, just to understand context of all of this, that in November of 2018, which was after her contract with, you know, Big Machine label expired, Taylor signed with Republic Records. And that was under a deal in which she would maintain the ownership of her masters going forward. So as of November of 2018, she is no longer part of Big Machine Label Group. All just important to note to understand. So Scooter makes this announcement yesterday that, you know, he acquired this company. And the first backlash, the way that this all started, was Taylor posted an Instagram story that had a picture of Justin Bieber's Instagram. In his Instagram, it was him FaceTiming with Kanye West and Scooter, and he made the caption, what's up, Taylor Swift? She posted that on her story with a circle, a red circle around Scooter's face and an arrow, and wrote, this is Scooter Braun bullying me on social media when I was at my lowest point. He's about to own all the music I've ever, I've ever made. Please swipe up to read. You swipe up and it takes us to a Tumblr post that Taylor Swift released. I'm going to read the post because it's just important if you've read it. I'm sorry, but (laughs) that's what we got to do here. (laughs) Go for it, kid. Okay. She writes, for years I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign up, to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time. One for every new one I turned in. I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Burchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. Some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. She then goes on to say, Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online above about it. Or when his client, Kanye West, organized a revenge porn music video which strips my body naked. Now Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. Essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. This is my worst case scenario. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when that man says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it. When I left my masters in Scott's hand, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them in perpetuity. That means forever. Thankfully, I am now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future. And hopefully, young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. I will always be proud of my past work, but for a healthier option, Lover will be out August 23rd. Sad and grossed out, broken heart, Taylor. Okay. So that happens, and it basically breaks the internet effectively, okay? So, the ne- you know, when that happens, everybody's just kind of freaking out, obviously. We don't hear anything from either side until Justin Bieber takes to Instagram. 
in defense of Scooter Braun. As you guys know, as I said, and anybody who knows any about anything about this knows, Scooter and Justin, it doesn't get tighter. Not only did Scooter effectively discover him and take a chance on him, he also has been the person that I think Justin credits a lot of basically saving his life to. Uh, I, yeah, and rightfully so. Scooter has been there every single step of the way for Justin and through his issues with sobriety and and everything. And, and I think that Justin would agree that it's like the one person that he's always had by his side. So obviously Justin's going to post in defense of Scooter. Right. And a lot of things happen on this post. I'm going to tell you everything. So Justin posts a, a like way throwback picture of him and Taylor. And he writes, like, I, told, I told you guys, it's going to be a lot of reading, but I'm sorry I have to. He says, hey, Taylor, first of all, I would like to apologize for posting that hurtful Instagram post. What he was referring to was the FaceTime that she screenshotted in her story. Which is a post from 2016. That's also important to know. At the time, I thought it was funny, but looking back, it was distasteful and insensitive. I have to be honest, though. It was my caption and post that I screenshotted of Scooter and Kanye that said, Taylor Swift, what's up? He didn't have anything to do with it. And he wasn't even a part of the conversation. In In all actuality, he was the person who told me not to joke like that. Scooter has had your back since the days you graciously let me open up for you. As the years have passed, we haven't crossed paths and gotten to communicate our differences, hurts, or frustrations. So for you to take it to social media and get people to hate on Scooter, Scooter isn't fair. What were you trying to accomplish by posting that blog? Seems to me like it was to get sympathy. You also knew that in posting it, that your fans would go and bully Scooter. Anyway, one thing I know is both Scooter and I love you. I feel like the only way to resolve conflict is through communication. So banter back and forth online I don't believe solves anything. I'm sure Scooter and I would love to talk to you and resolve any conflict, pain, or any feelings that need to be addressed. Neither Scooter or I have anything negative to say about you. We truly want the best for you. I usually don't rebuttal things like this, but when you try and deface someone I love's character, that's crossing a line. Immediately after he posted it, Haley Bieber comments, Gentleman, and Yael Braun, who's Scooter's wife, comments, I have never loved you more. So that was the first post that we did because... Again, our account is comments by celebs. We post comments by celebs. That was the only comments on it. We posted it, obviously. And if you look at the timestamps on it, it is one minute and 25 seconds. That's how long it was before we posted. Yeah, I mean, we posted it immediately. So that happens. And, you know, we're just kind of waiting to see what happens next. And then Cara Delevingne, who is, as you guys know, a, you know, one of Taylor's very good friends, comments and responds, gentlemen at Haley Bieber, at Justin Bieber, you must be bored. I wish you spent less time sticking up for men and more time trying to understand women and respecting their valid reactions. As a married man, you should be lifting women up instead of tearing them down because you are threatened. I'm not sure you actually understand what an apology is. This issue that Taylor Swift is talking about is far more than a picture, and you know that. As you said, you haven't spoken to her in years, which means you definitely don't understand this situation. I do. Take a step back and try and learn from this. We should all be on the same team. End of story. Okay, so... This was a really big deal, obviously. In our personal, just from our perspective for one second, you know, of course we posted the first comments because that happened. And then in the second we saw Kara's comment, we posted that too. So it wasn't like us, you know, po- not posting Kara's or whatever was taking sides. We posted them as it was happening live. That's all we could do. I'm, I'm just... I, I know, I know. I, not, not just us. I also want to remind everyone listening to breathe because this is intense, but also as stressed out as any of us are, I can only imagine how Taylor, Scooter, Yael, all of them feel so... In the scheme of things, we're actually lucky, okay? You are correct. Way to throw things into perspective. <laughs> also, that it's. I think it's also important to note that this is when the story really blew up. 
Because when Taylor posted, you know, it was a lot of Taylor Swift fandom talking. But as soon as someone like Justin Bieber gets involved, and rightfully so, protecting somebody like Scooter, who he obviously loves and has such a close relationship, that's when things start to blow up and people start to really pick sides and really start to draw lines and, and everything kind of took off from here. And truthfully, for some naive reason, I thought that prior to Justin posting this, that we could get away with just brushing on this topic. I didn't expect before he posted that it was going to blow up. Even after he posted, I didn't expect the story to turn into what it did. Which we'll get into later, kind of some of the reasons that maybe it did. And, and um, I think some of the misunderstandings that a lot of people have on both sides. The, the next thing that happened after that was Halsey came out in support of Taylor. Um, she posted a tweet that she tagged her in that basically said, you know, Taylor Swift is a huge reason why I always insisted to write my own music. I believed if she did it in a way that made my teeth ache like cold water and my heart swell and my eyes leak that I should too. Because that's how to make someone feel. To drag it from the pits of your heart. To offer it on a platter and say, take some but take kindly. She deserves to own the painstaking labor of her heart. She has surpassed all expectations of what any artist is even capable of. She catapulted her stardom into the Milky Way, and it turns my guts that no matter how much power or success a woman has in this life, you're still susceptible to someone coming along and making you feel powerless out of spite. It speaks volumes to how far we've come in the music industry, the way writers are treated, how as an entertainer you are respected, but as a writer you're walked all over, even when you are both in one single body. I'm standing with her. Again, I just want to make it clear. A lot of celebrities have come out in support of either sides. We can't read every single message because that would just be ridiculous. But those are – I'm just reading some of the big ones. And also Halsey was one of the first people. She didn't right. jump on the bandwagon, okay? After this happens, Yael Braun, who's Scooter's wife, takes to Instagram. And she posts a three-slide note. I'm going to read it again because there's going to be a lot of reading this episode. She writes – I've never been one for a public airing of laundry, but when you attack my husband, here we go. Let's start with Taylor Swift. Whoa. Then let's get the facts straight. You were given the opportunity to own your masters. You passed. Interesting that the man you're so, quote, grossed out by believed in you more than you believed in yourself. Your dad is a shareholder and was notified, and Borchetta personally told you before this came out. So no, you didn't find out with the world. And girl, who are you to talk about bullying? The world has watched you collect and drop friends like wilted flowers. My husband is anything but a bully. He spent his life standing up for people and causes he believes in. Scooter was so excited to work and build with you. How embarrassing this temper tantrum is because you didn't get your own way. He believes in and supports you. I sincerely hope you can learn how to love you can learn to love and believe in yourself the way my husband does. Lastly, lastly, if you think he can control his clients, please control your fans. Leave our personal life and kids out of this. You don't understand yet what line that crosses, but one day you will. And I hope you have the dignity, class, and kindness to leave your fans out of this and have an open discussion. Tumblr can't fix this. A phone call can. Beyond that, it's easy to see that the point of putting this out was to get people to bully him. You were supposed to be a role model, but continue to model bullying. He is a manager, not God. He cannot control the actions of other humans, even once he manages. Don't blame him because Kim caught you in a lie. It's embarrassing, I know, but adults must own up to their mistakes. We learn and grow from them. We don't divert blame and blur the lines of reality to suit our needs. What you haven't seen is what happens behind closed doors, when he has supported and stood up for you, when he has challenged his clients to be kind or be quiet, when he has reached out an olive branch out to you on numerous occasions. She captioned that picture. At Taylor Swift, I'm here to talk privately anytime. Maeve, who is Haley Baldwin's stylist, commented and said, we stand a defensive wife. Haley commented in reply and said, stan. And then Olivia Munn commented, love you, Yael. We had those comments screenshotted before she made her comments private. So more things could have happened that we just genuinely don't know about. Right. Okay. So, yeah, at this point, things are really 
really getting intense because it's more than just business at this point. It's personal. Like this is his wife coming out and obviously her friends are coming out too. It's, it's really intense. The next thing that happens is Todrick posts his tweets in an Instagram post in support of Taylor and obviously slamming Scooter. I'm going to read those tweets and then after this, I think I'm going to stop reading um, any of the stuff because it's just too much. But he writes, for those asking, I left Scooter Braun a long time ago. I'm saddened by this news, but not shocked. He's an evil person whose only concern is his wealth and feeding his disgusting ego. I believe he's homophobic and I know from his own mouth that he's not a Swift fan. I would normally not say anything because I'm sure Scooter will threaten me like he has before to keep me quiet, but guess what, Scooter? Nothing you can do to me would be worse than the six years of my life I can't get back from when I was ignored as your client. I truly hope justice is served and that my friend's music will fall into the hands of a better human. He captioned that picture, Scooter Braun is evil, evil, evil. Demi Lovato, who was newly signed to Scooter's SB Projects, comments, Hey boo, I don't know you or anything, and this isn't hate, but making claims that someone is homophobic is really serious. Please don't spread information that isn't true, because I can guarantee you Scooter isn't. As a member of the LGBTQ plus community myself, he wouldn't have signed me if he was. No hate, just trying to clear that up. Also, I completely lied when I just said I was going to stop reading. Because there's, there's no way. I no- was just about to say to you, like, there's like a yeah. hundred other. You know what? I, I, I would rather us read and have every piece of information come out of our mouths before we're going to touch on it than skip over it. And if you, you know, I've already read what we're talking about or you don't want to hear it again, just fast forward a little bit. It'll take 30 seconds. It's not going to take a while, but I think it's important for us to touch on everything and have the details really straight it's also really important you have to understand obviously you know this podcast goes to a lot of different people and we get an array of dms in this particular case out of anything that's ever happened this was the one time when people were saying i'm so confused i can't even read it it's too much i just need you to explain it so you have to understand we have to play to a lot of different people here and the other thing with with this information is that it's not like it's all on instagram and everybody has it in one place taylor's posting on tumblr todrick's posting on twitter demi's making it her story like it's so much it's so much information that it's unless you're going and searching for it the way we are it's likely that you miss something it really is it's a lot i mean i would listen to this if i (laughs) like you know i would need to if i I wasn't the one up till four o'clock in the morning researching it yeah okay so after that demi then continues to show her support towards scooter because she posts an instagram story that says listen i i've dealt with bad people in the industry and scooter is not one of them he's a good man personally i'm grateful he came into my life when he did please stop quote dragging people or bullying them there's enough hate in this world as it is y'all can come after me all you want but i'm always going to stay loyal to my team i value loyalty more than most people in this world and if my name is going to be brought into conversations i'm going to stand up for myself and and the ones on my team okay so you know it's not not that it was at all surprising that demi was going to side with scooter obviously she's a new client but that was also very headline making. I mean, she was making this her story. After this, Todrick goes back to Twitter and he engages in a back and forth with Allison Kay. As you heard me say in the beginning, Allison Kay is the president of SB Projects. How are you doing over there? Uh, great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> considering the circumstances. Yeah. Okay, so Julie, why don't you take us through the next thing that happened with Todrick and Allison Kay? So Todrick's post that we saw on Instagram was screenshots of his tweets. And one of the tweets was his claim against Scooter Braun that Scooter Braun, that he believes Scooter Braun to be homophobic. Allison Kay, who is the president of SB Projects, Scooter Braun's company, responds to this tweet and, you know, says how defamatory it is and how wrong it is for him to make these accusations and that Scooter is against people who aren't sharing the truth, not against any disenfranchised group. 
they engage in this back and forth, which I'm not going to read, but um, where Allison accuses Todrick of A, lying about being the one to drop Scooter and says that Scooter actually dropped him. And the other claim that she made against him is that on projects that she's done, there are people that have worked for him that never got paid. So Todrick's response to this was he posted the email that he sent to Scooter saying, you know, it's it's been a great couple of years. I understand that I'm not as high profile as an Ariana Grande or a Justin Bieber, but I need to, you know, kind of leave and do what's best for me and put myself first. But thank you for everything. Um, and someone else posts on Twitter a post from Reddit that starts off with every time I see Todrick on RuPaul's Drag Race, I can't help but to think about when I worked for him and wasn't paid. So I believe he was a production assistant, the person who wrote this post, I'm not sure who it is, and wrote about the work he did for Todrick, which he was never paid for. Right. So what's interesting here is that on, there are claims on either side, and they both were kind of backed up. So Todrick's claim was that he left Scooter, that Scooter didn't fire him, and the almost like, quote, receipts to that was the email that he then pulled up that he sent. On the flip side of that was the claim that Allison made about Todrick not paying his people. We then got confirmation or alleged confirmation from a production assistant that worked on one of Todrick's visual albums that backed up Allison's claim. So they both kind of have, if you want to consider that backup, backup for what they both said. Okay. (laughs) Super intense. The next thing that happened, in my opinion, is I would say the biggest thing of all of this. This was really like the holy shit moment. This happened. I mean, we were sitting together last night processing all of this and also trying to piece together the Kardashians, which we'll get into in another episode. So Scott Borchetta clarified his side of the story with a post on his website. I'm going to read the whole thing again. So he says, so it's time for some truth. In regard to a post earlier today from Taylor, it's time to set some things straight. Obviously, he's referring to her Tumblr post. Taylor's dad, Scott Swift, was a shareholder in Big Machine Records, LLC. We first alerted all of the shareholders on Thursday, June 20th, for an official shareholders call scheduled for Tuesday, June 25th. On the call, the shareholders were made aware of the pending deal with Ithaca Holdings and had three days to go over all of the details of the proposed transaction. We then had a final call on Friday, June 28th, in which the transaction passed with a majority vote and three of the five shareholders voting yes, with 92% of the shareholders vote. Out of courtesy, I personally texted Taylor at 9.06 p.m. Saturday, June 29th, to inform her prior to the story breaking in the morning of Sunday, June 30th, so she could hear it directly from me. I guess it might somehow be possible that her dad, Scott, 13 management lawyer Jay Shoutis, who who represented Scott Swift on the shareholder's call, or 13 management executive and Big Machine LLC shareholder Frank Bell, who was on the shareholder's call, didn't say anything to Taylor over the prior five days. I guess it's possible that she might not have seen my text, but I truly doubt that she, quote, woke up to the news when everyone else did, because that's what she said in her Tumblr statement. Um, I'm attaching a few very important deal points in what was part of our official last offer to Taylor Swift to remain at Big Machine Records. Her 13 management team and attorney Don Passman went over this document in great detail and reported the terms to her in great detail. Taylor and I then talked through the deal together. As you will read, 100% of all Taylor Swift assets were to be transferred to her immediately upon signing the new agreement. We were working together on a new type of deal for our new streaming world that was not necessarily tied to, quote, albums, but more of a length of time. We are an independent record company. We do not have tens of thousands of artists and recordings. My offer to Taylor, Taylor for the size of our company was extraordinary. 
but it was also all I could offer her as I am responsible for dozens of artists' careers and over 120 executives and their families. Taylor and I remained on very good terms when she told me she wanted to speak with other record companies and see what was out there for her. I never got in her way and wished her well. The morning that new Taylor slash UMG announcement was going to be made, she texted me shortly before, telling me, tell, letting me know that the announcement was coming in a few minutes. Taylor had every chance in the world to own not just her master recordings, but every video, photograph, everything associated to her career. She chose to leave. As to her comments about being, quote, in being in tears or close to it, anytime my new partner Scooter Braun's name was brought up, I certainly never experienced that. Was I aware of some prior issues between Taylor and Justin Bieber? Yes. But there were also times where Taylor knew that I was close to Scooter and that Scooter was a very good source of information for upcoming album releases, tours, etc. And I'd reach out to him for information on our behalf. Scooter was never anything but positive about Taylor. He called me directly about Manchester to see if Taylor would participate. She declined. He called me directly to see if Taylor wanted to participate in the Parkland March. She declined. Scooter has always been and will continue to be a supporter and honest custodian for Taylor and her music. This is the text Taylor sent to me on Monday, November 19th, 2018 at 8.57 a.m. I'm now going to read you guys that text. She says, Scott, I hope this finds you well. Since communication ran dry on our negotiations, I've done what I've told you I would do and gone out exploring other options. Owning my master's was very important to me, but I've since realized that there are things that mean even more to me in the bigger picture. I had a choice whether to bet on my past or to bet on my future, and I think, knowing me, you can guess which one I chose. I also saw a rare opportunity to affect positive change for a lot of other artists with the leverage I have right now. I know you believe in the same things I do, and I'd like to think, I'd like to think you would be proud of what I've negotiated for in my deal. I wanted to tell you first that I'll be signing with Lucian. I honestly truly cherish everything you and I have built together, and I plan on saying so in my announcement of the new deal. What we accomplish together will be a lasting legacy and a case study on excellent partnerships, and may it continue. I still view you as a partner and friend, and I hope you feel the same. Sending you a hug and my most sincere gratitude, and so much love, Taylor. So that was the text that she sent him in November. He then says, here's the text that I sent on the evening of June 29th at 9.05 p.m., which was Saturday night. Dear Taylor, hope all is well and congratulations on the success of your first two singles from Lover. I can't wait to hear the entire album. I wanted to pass along to you the same courtesy that you pass along to me in regards to my future. Tomorrow morning, Sunday, June 30th, at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time, the Wall Street Journal will announce that I am entering into a merger acquisition with Scooter Braun and Ithaca Holdings. This move will give us more pop culture superpower than ever before, and I'm so excited about the future. I want you to know that I will continue to be the proud custodian of your previous works and will continue to keep you and your team abreast of all future plans for releases of your work. Nothing but the best, Scott. Okay, he then posted a screenshot of the deal points. Those were the major things that were kind of outlined in his proposal to Taylor, the one that she declined. So what essentially that deal was, and remember in her statement, her her explanation of that deal was that for every album she made, she would get another one back. What the deal that he, that Scott laid out and attached the picture of in the final deal was that she would obtain the rights to every single thing, every album, every picture, every video, everything she's ever created, made, written, anything, if she signed on for what I believe was another 10 years with the label. So his in-writing contract, just to clarify, was not album for album. It was a period of time, which he says in his statement that he's writing that this would have been based on 
time length, not based on albums. It would have been a new way of doing a contract. Just, right. to, just to lay out the details of, of the differences between those two statements. And to give both sides to that, you know, obviously he just posted the deal points. It's not like the, I can only imagine how many hundreds of pages that was. So of course there's confusion on both sides. Right. Like it's just the overview. And I, from, you know, if you talk to any lawyer, like what, what you see in the, in the, in that little summary is of course not the massive thing. So there is, was definitely confusion. No, of course, but just to, just to explain why people were confused versus what Taylor was saying versus what he was saying again. We only know what we know. Exactly. Also, I'm, the next thing that I'm going to read, there's two things coming up that are very important. The, the next thing is um, a statement from Eric Logan. He is a member of the board of directors at BMLG, the, the, labor, the label. We're then also going to uh, read a statement from TMZ, which was from Taylor's reps that was clarifying some of the claims that Taylor's dad was involved in all of this. Because if you remember, one of the things that um, – Yael and Scott said was that listen your dad's on the board he knew about this so first I'm going to read Eric's and then I'm going to read the statement from Taylor's camp okay so again this is Eric Logan he was the guy who's the member of board of directors at BMLG and he also was I I believe it was president at the Oprah Winfrey Network for seven years okay he writes dear Taylor I have to admit watching you react this way about Scott's deal is fascinating I also find it to be the most revealing part about you that you can that you that can now be brought to light Somewhere, you have told a story to yourself that you have the right to change history, facts, and reframe any story you want to fix with any narrative you wish. But, as someone who has been by Scott's side from before you were born, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and allow you to rewrite history and bend the truth to justify your lack of understanding of a business deal. The facts will come out. You will be proven wrong, and people will begin to see, to see that the world you perpetuate, only through your lens, is not reality. I also find it very interesting your use of the word bully. As I watch you attempt to rewrite history and parse words, all from your massive platform, I'm reminded that that's what a real bully would do. So, I question your actual motivation. For someone who draws such power from being the, quote, voice, and against all things you talk about, I'm watching you violate what you allegedly stand for. You're the real bully. Your power is fading, your shine is dull, and this is what bullies do. They lash out, especially when they are called to stand in the truth. You're lying. Stop it. Take responsibility for your own actions. Your mistruths and lies about what happened are just that, lies. You knew about this deal, you knew what you were walking away from, and the other that was given to you was not what you said, and the offer that was given to you was not what you said. It was much more. I know the facts. I challenge you to prove it otherwise. As I'm on the Big Machine Records board, I'm very aware of the details of who knew what and when, so please stop lying. What I'm not going to do is stay silent and let you smear Scott's name or work. Your choice of words around Scott are offensive to me as I know what he's done to build your career. I heard your demo in his living room before the label was officially open, before you were signed. I have taken great pride in standing by Scott and the hundreds of employees that dedicated a huge part of their lives to making your life what it is today. So have some respect for them and the people who help make you what you are. You can be mad at yourself that you didn't want to accept a deal that you should have. That's okay. In the real world, that happens all the time. But you don't get the right to twist the truth. You are one of the most talented and gifted performers and writers the industry has ever seen. But this is one area where your attempt to rewrite history just won't work. Whew, so intense. So after that, you know, the other reason that this is all so intense is because it's one thing when celebrities speak out about it, but it's another thing when it's really coming from the business side and like it, the you know, the inner workings of deals that we don't necessarily get to ever see as the public are being brought to life or apparently right. brought to life. It's, it adds a level of intensity. So I'm now going to get into the what TMZ released about um, from Taylor's rep. So. We're so close. We're You're so doing close. so good, I, know, I, I promise. Know. Okay. 
So TMZ says, Taylor's rep is shooting down the idea that her father was part of the Big Machine board of directors and insisting he was simply a shareholder who opted out of a phone call with the big news. So this is what Taylor's rep, rep said to people. Quote, Scott Swift is not on the board of directors and has never been. On June 25th, there was a shareholder phone call that Scott Swift did not participate in due to a very strict NDA that bound all shareholders and prohibited any discussion at all without risk of severe penalty. End quote. The rep then went on to say that Taylor's dad didn't want to withhold information from his daughter, so he didn't join the call. Taylor's camp is also refuting Yael's notion that Scott Borchetta gave Taylor a heads up about the purchase beforehand, saying, quote, Taylor found out about the news article when she woke up before seeing any text from Scott Borchetta and he did not call her in advance. One thing that I want to add in is that um, apparently, I was, as I told you, I was talking to one of my friends who's diehard Taylor Swift fans to get all the sides, and she said that they believe, I guess, in, in like that world that Taylor is on vacation with Joe, her boyfriend, in London. So it's possible with the time difference she didn't see the text. That's apparently what people in Taylor's camp are saying. One statement that I will say about that also is just logistically, if she didn't see the text until what would have been probably 3 o'clock in the morning that she would have received it and she presumably would have been asleep if she's in London, that also, though, means that the statement came out much later in the day on her time from Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun than it would have been on our end. So it's possible also that that text may not have gotten to her until the middle of the night, but she would have uh, been awake before the statement came out, presumably, just to clarify on the other end of that. Right. Um, another thing that I want to um, just mention in terms of like, the quote, receipts, <laughs> is that, well, one, I think we... Okay, let, let me explain. So I didn't see this with my own two eyes. I only saw screenshots. But apparently Dave Grutman posted an Instagram story, which was a post of the article about the acquisition, and he captioned it, when your friend buys Taylor Swift, referring to Scooter. Scooter apparently reposted that and then immediately deleted the repost. I didn't see the repost with my own two eyes, but I've seen screenshots, okay? Just – I, if you don't know who Dave Grutman is, basically he's known as like the king of Miami. He's one of the most successful entrepreneurs. He owns Live, he, Komodo, all of those things. That's and him and Scooter are very close friends. He, he's very well connected to this whole world and him and Scooter are very good friends. The last piece of actual social media, quote, evidence that we are going to read is Allison Kay, who, as you know, we've said is the president of SB Projects. She reposted Yael's post, which we had read previously. And I want to read you guys her caption. She wrote, Repost at Yael, my wife for life. I also hate a public airing of grievances, and so I will refrain from offering my take on the actual facts of what happened today versus what is being splashed all over the internet. However, I must call out the absolutely reprehensible action of making any of this about gender. I can categorically say that Scooter Braun is not only a good man who supports all women, particularly you, who he has defended and advocated for behind closed doors more times than I can say, but he also owns a company run mostly by women a company in which I am both president and a named partner. As a woman who has been working so hard for equality in the music industry, at Taylor Swift, I beg of you, please don't cheapen the efforts of those who came before you. As women, we have struggled for so long to be treated commensuratively with our male counterparts, not to be given special accommodations because the parties on the other side of the table happen to be male. As women, we don't need those types of allowances. We are strong, smart, and capable of the same thing men are and deserve the same respect they receive. Hence the desire for an equal playing field. Asking for anything that is childish and immature and absolutely not not befitting of the strong adult female leader we both know you can be. So after she posted that, we just want to do a little recap of some of the celebrities that have come out in support of both sides. Again, there's no way to 
there's there's so many, but some of the big ones. So in support of Taylor, obviously, Todrick Halsey, Iggy Azalea um, tweeted in support, Martha Hunt, Danielle Haim, she's a friend of Taylor. Also interesting to note, Selena Gomez's mother came out. I believe she commented on Yael's post um, in support of Taylor. And Cara Delevingne, who, just a thing to note, her comment is no longer on Justin's post. People are saying that he deleted it. We don't know. It's possible he deleted it. It's possible that she deleted it. A lot of Taylor Swift fans are taking to Instagram to repost her comment. In support of Scooter, obviously, we have Justin Bieber and Demi Lovato. Kendall Jenner liked Yael's post. Olivia Munn commented on Yael's post. Casey Musgraves liked it. Um, and Catherine McPhee also liked it. And Haley, of course. Again, those are just some. There's there's a lot on both ends, but those are some of the key players. So if you listen to everything up until right now, you are now caught up on everything that took place in basically the last 24 hours. If, there any, if there's anything very new, we obviously don't have it because we're recording a podcast. I want to now engage in a discussion about what happened. Before we start, and, and let me be very, very clear, we're going to give our opinions. Our opinions have nothing to do with any sort of previous way we have felt towards Taylor. It's basic, It's just on the basics of this situation, okay? So, no, I'd be lying. We, I prioritize neutrality in that initial part because it's important to get out all the facts. We are human beings and we are allowed to have opinions and that's what we're going to give. It's a very weird it's a very weird thing that, and Julie made a really good point yesterday in what she said, and, and do you want to make the point? Yeah, I just, I, we've spoken about a obvious wide array of celebrities, and while most of the things we say are unbiased and positive, because that's the tone of our account, there has been situations where we have criticized certain celebrities for the things they've done. For example, with Justin Bieber, when he came out making a post about Chris Brown and how he feels that Chris Brown is so underappreciated, we can't, we're like, we don't. We don't support that at all. There's no reason that post needed to be made. It's not something that we support. That doesn't mean we don't love Justin Bieber or support him as an artist. It just means that sometimes he's done things that we don't agree with. Us saying that, we didn't receive any backlash. Other artists that we've spoken about, we didn't receive any backlash. Uh, Actors, actors, whatever. The only time that we get, and I'm not saying this to be like dramatic, attacked is when we mention Taylor Swift and people come out, even if we're being completely unbiased, For example, when we spoke about her coming out with all the stuff about Pride initially, and we were just saying, here's what she did, here's the the act that she supported and pushed through, and we are so in support of that. We still got things to us saying, like, why are you talking about Taylor Swift when you've spoken negatively in the past? Taylor Swift fans are, for the most part, and I'm not going to say everyone is because I think that people can be fans of Taylor without you know, following in everyone else's footsteps, but incredibly, incredibly attacking. And it's honestly, from our perspective, nerve wracking to try and do a podcast, present the facts. And when we have people asking for our opinions and we want to give our honest opinions, but we know that we're going to be vilified by her fans for speaking out. This is something that, you know, Chrissy Teigen has been speaking a lot about this recently, but like Stan Twitter, where it's like, how is it possible that I, she's saying, how is it possible I can't give an opinion without being attacked and brutally attacked? And something that I would equate this to, and I said this to you last night, was one of the biggest themes in the Michael, doc, Michael Jackson documentary, whether you choose to believe those stories or not, that's besides the point, is that nothing good can come from when we put celebrities on such a pedestal that we can no longer see faults in them. And that's when things get dangerous. And I believe that is what happens with a lot of Taylor Swift fans. And she's not the only one. Beyonce has fans that does this. Everyone has these, you know, mega fans. But 
Taylor Swift fans seem to be yelling the loudest a lot of the time. In our experience. In our experience. You have to remember, we the reason that I believe that we have a bit of a unique angle as opposed to someone without an account is because we see the behind the scenes and the stuff that people aren't going to comment, but people message us. And it's really intense, really, really intense fandom to the point where Julie's right. We are like very good, rational, level-headed people to feel... Any sort of fear for discussing our, our opinions in a respectful manner is ridiculous. I've never felt that in my entire life until anything to do with her. And I'm just saying that's it's not it's not that it's her fault necessarily, but there's something off about that. And I would imagine I don't think I can't imagine she would want that to be the case either. I don't think any celebrity ever wants their fans to take to the attack, even if some of their actions make it seem otherwise. Okay, there's that. Okay, hi guys. This is our future selves popping in. <laughs> Very James Charles of us, if you get that reference. Here's the thing. We just listened to the entire episode, and I think that as a whole, we are both really happy with the way that it came across and the way that we conveyed our opinions and our feelings and all of the facts. Just a couple of things. Number one, in the opinion section, we gave our opinions. And of, listen, they are not fully in support of Taylor by any means, and we're open and we're honest about that. Nor are they fully in support of the other side. At all. We're very, we're completely open about that. What I, the, what I was saying about the bias is that any pre-existing bias that we had or we were seen as having was not taken into account when consulting and reviewing this particular situation. So whether or not we agree with Taylor here was based solely on the facts of this story, as if we were seeing this story in separation of anything else. It, it had nothing to do with anything else. And I, I honestly, we really, really tried. Like, I would just want to convey that. That's number one. Number two, the last thing that we want to do, and I, we really tried not to, but in case it come acro- came across, we are not grouping all of Taylor Swift fans into one group. You can be – there are varying levels of that, and we want to make that very clear. And nor do I think the most extreme of Taylor Swift fans are bad people. I can so understand an attachment to a celebrity where you feel like you have to protect them at all costs. It's just – Oftentimes, it comes at an expense of other people. But I do not think that all Taylor Swift fans and all people who support Taylor Swift and even people who speak on her behalf openly are bad people. I just want to clarify that. The other thing that I want to clarify, because I never want to make it seem like we weren't giving um, every piece of information or explaining every side. The, The discrepancies between Scott Borchetta's statement, which was that Taylor Swift's father was aware of the acquisition prior to Taylor Swift finding out. And Taylor Swift's camp statement that her father had no knowledge are two very differentiating statements. And there's a large discrepancy between both of those. I just want to clarify that we do not have the facts on either side. I Scott Borchetta could be not telling the whole truth and Taylor Swift's camp could be not be telling the whole truth. I just want to clarify that we are not sitting here strongly in favor of Scott Borchetta and saying that we believe everything we say. And we're not sitting here saying we're strongly in favor of Taylor's camp sitting, uh, believing everything they say. It's just an important di- distinction that those two pieces were, there was a a, a large gap in information there. Yeah. That's all. My, my staying objective was my priority in the first half because you have to lay out the facts. People want our opinion and that's what we're going to give and we're going to try to do so in a very... And truly, it is our opinion that there are two sides to this story and there are two sides that we aren't privy to all of the information about and we may never be privy to that information because people have very conflicting stories. So yeah, it is my true opinion that I just don't know in that case. Yeah. Okay, now back to the show. Sorry, we just had to insert that. Something that I think is really interesting to note here is that, you know, initially we haven't gotten any like real real backlash because we didn't do anything the second we posted that justin bieber post people are coming at us like we're taking his side 
we were not taking anyone's side. Our account is called Comments by Celebs. What we do is post Comments by Celebs. When Justin Bieber posts a massive thing like that and Yael and Haley comment, that's news. We're going to post it. The second that Cara Delevingne commented, we posted that too. Our intention is never to not post both sides. That's exactly what we did. We didn't continue to post all of it because that's just ridiculous. That's not what our account is about. We wanted to do the pride roundup and kind of make the day focus on what it should be, which is pride and, and the amazing strides that the LGBTQ plus community are making. One thing that I want to say that's I think is really interesting is we got a lot of messages from Taylor Swift fans that said, and I guess this is interesting because it's not, you know, the previously in our experience, we've received like die hard fan bases coming at us. And this was, I am a hardcore Taylor supporter, but I'm really confused, specifically after the Scott Borchetta stuff came out. They were like, I am so confused. At, at her statement, and I don't necessarily agree with all this, and I need some clarity. So it was just interesting. We had never experienced that before. Even with the pride stuff and all that stuff that she was getting backlash for, her fans, in terms of the way they approached us, were very, very hardcore. This one, people seemed to be a little bit more like they weren't in full agreement, which was just interesting for us. And what I will say to that is if you are a Taylor Swift fan or not a Taylor Swift fan, if you are going through this information or if you're listening to this podcast and you're reading everything that comes out, it is okay to say, I'm not in agreement with her. It doesn't mean you're not a fan of her or that you don't support her. But if this comes out and you're confused and things aren't adding up for you, it is okay to say that. And on the reverse, if you're not a Taylor Swift fan and you fully wholeheartedly agree with everything that she's putting out and your heart aches for her and what she's going through, that's fine too. I think that it's this common misconception that once you're a fan of somebody, you have to support every single action they make and it's just not true. For example, Kanye West. No one's a bigger fan of Kanye West than me. But as soon as he puts on that red hat, I check out. It doesn't mean I'm not a Kanye West fan or continue to support him, but it means that I have the ability to look objectively at him and criticize the things that he's doing that I personally don't agree with. Exactly. It's the same reason we were, you know, crit criticized Chloe when she lashed out at Jordan with those tweets that that wasn't right. Same reason that we didn't agree with Kim's decision to name her line kimono as that was culturally insensitive, which she has now changed. Like, we're not crazy. We're not blindly supporting these people. Before we're going to get into the discussion, I want to start by saying that I think the real issue at hand here is an artist's right to own their own music. And that is personally something that Julie and I can 100% get behind. We are not artists, obviously. We do not have that sort of creative legacy left behind. I can only imagine being in that position, how infuriating, frustrating, and almost maddening it is to have created this work, put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, and to not own it. So on that point, I agree with her 100%, right? In theory, that she should own that stuff. What we have a real problem with is how this narrative was switched into all of a sudden the vilification of Scooter Braun. Let's just recap here so that we all are on the same page. Taylor Swift has not owned that music ever since she made the deal with Big Machine Label Group. The only difference here is that Scooter Braun is now in control of it as, a, as opposed to solely Scott. That's it. That's It's not like, I think if you hear the story for the first time, you're thinking, oh my God, she just lost her rights to the music. No, no, no. She never had the rights. Scooter is now just in control of it. And that is where her post was centered around. So our initial, our initial thoughts were, yeah, it's always been fucked up that she didn't have it. It was the deal she engaged in. It wasn't the smartest business deal. She made it. But 
why all of a sudden is it is this is this intense anger towards Scooter being what everybody is sticking on? That's the part that I'm confused about. And maybe I'm truly missing something that I'm not understanding why Scooter has been made the villain here. Because understanding also that this is a $300 million business deal. That deal was not made by Scooter and Scott to acquire just Taylor's music and that's it. That deal was made to acquire the label. So to say, first of all, that this deal was done as a bullying tactic is not true. Had Scooter just bought Taylor's music and that's it, that would be one conversation. Taylor's music is a byproduct of a very large acquisition. So maybe I'm not understanding why there's so much hate towards Scooter. But in my experience with large acquisitions, the first thing that a person does when they acquire a company isn't to then sell back the rights or hand over the rights to a large piece of that business, which is Taylor's music. It is no secret that Taylor's sales and streaming account for a large portion of what makes that business so valuable. But with that being said, I don't believe Scooter's intent in acquiring that music and that business was for the purpose of bullying Taylor. It was just a byproduct. Yeah, to me... That comes across as honestly incredibly narcissistic to believe that a $300 million acquisition was done out of pure spite or as out of bullying. I I can't wrap my head around that. I I just can't. Something else that I don't understand is, you know, the claims that Taylor has made about bullying and and uh, believe me when I say that what Taylor had to go through isn't right. There is no part of me that believes that, you know, anybody who feels that they're being bullied you know, deserves that. With that being said, the claims that she made were two claims against Taylor, I mean, against Scooter bullying her, were both things that Scooter didn't do and had no direct involvement in. The first was the Instagram post from Justin Bieber, which Bieber says in his thing, which is one of the reasons he came out was, Scooter didn't make that post. I made that post. You have no knowledge of what the conversation between Scooter, Kanye, and Justin was during that FaceTime. You are going to point a picture at Scooter and say, this man is actively bullying me in this picture. You don't know that. It was Justin Bieber's caption. The second thing is the bringing back Kanye and Kim into the equation and saying that, you know, at the hands of Scooter, Kanye caused you so much pain. If you know anything about Kanye West and Taylor, trust me, you know a lot about him. There's not a single chance in the world that Scooter could have stepped in and said, Kanye, don't do that. And Kanye would have listened. That is the reason that Kanye is no longer represented by Scooter. It's because not because they're on bad terms. Scooter and Kanye are on amazing terms. They're still very close friends. But Kanye never wants to be told what he should and shouldn't do. And Kanye has never listened to being told what he should and shouldn't do. So if you're going to come after Scooter for something that Kanye West did, then you better have, you know, concrete facts about the involvement that Scooter played in that. Because the way you lay it out, it's just that Scooter was Kanye's manager at the time. Exactly. I think that was really well said. Have we made the Michael Jackson No. Do you want to explain that? I just want to explain it because I think that people, I think because of the magnitude of the story, people think that Taylor Swift is the only artist that doesn't own her work. And it's obviously just not the case at all. So for example, I think one of the most famous cases of this was that Michael Jackson bought the entire Beatles catalog in 1985 for $47.5 million. He also purchased tracks from Bruce Springsteen, The Rolling Stones, and Elvis. Obviously, Paul McCartney wasn't happy with this, and he fought for years to get his music back. But we're just, we want to outline that as an example of like, this happened, it's fucked up, but 
it's not like every single artist owns their stuff. One of the other things that I was I was reading about online because also trust like both of us when we say we did as much research as we possibly could. We wanted every single side, every single opinion, even things that we didn't necessarily read aloud on the podcast. We still looked at other things, everything. So one of the things that I was looking at was a Hollywood Unlocked post about this situation and all of the comments on that. And a lot of people were saying, fine, Taylor fans want to want to speak up about her rights to own her music. They're 100% correct. But if you're going to speak about Taylor's rights, what about the rights of every other person that didn't have, you know, the way that Taylor started off in music and there were poor kids coming up or, you know, didn't have the support of their family and they signed business deals that they had no knowledge of and now all of their music is owned. It's not just the Taylor Swift problem and most people who are fighting to get their music back or want their music or have lost the rights to their music don't have the connections and the power that Taylor Swift does. So if you're going to take a stand against Taylor Swift having the right to own her music, you better also take a stand against everybody having that right and working towards a better solution for people that don't have the connections and the power that Taylor Swift does. No, I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree with all of that. I think what's really interesting here is that two people can read read the exact same post and have such different opinions. So in in an effort to really try to hear all signs, we were going, first of all, deep in Reddit threads, like pro-Taylor Reddit, th- Reddit threads, also others. And I was on the phone with one of my good family friends who's like, when I say diehard Taylor, I mean die hard Taylor like goes to the Swift meetups the whole nine and I had read Yael's post and personally in my opinion I thought it was eloquent well written and made a lot of sense her opinion on that was it was the most misogynistic post and like how dare she say those things so I understand that that's an opinion that's out there personally I didn't feel that way at all I thought what else is someone to do when your husband is being so like blatantly attacked than to stand up for him and I thought what she said made sense and was spoken really well. Right. And I think it's the same thing with the Justin Bieber post, with the Demi Lovato post. If Taylor Swift fans, and believe me, I believe that they do, have the right to stand up for Taylor, and if Taylor's friends have the right to stand up for her, then on the reverse, shouldn't Scooter Braun's friends and family and clients have the right to then stand up for him as well? I don't like the narrative that just because you're standing up in support of Scooter, it's automatically this misogynistic, anti-feminist thing. It's not the case. Justin Bieber posted that and the response is that the post was so anti-feminist, so misogynistic, so, you know, gross and Justin Bieber hasn't always put forth um, the best examples of the, you know, being incredibly pro-feminist. We can see that with his Chris Brown post. We can see that with some of the other things and the other artists that he supported. But in this case, this was a friend supporting a friend and trying to clear the air of his involvement in it. I don't believe this was a man versus woman issue. And I think that the narrative that this has to do with being sexist and women, it's not the case here. This is an artist and a business deal and maybe personal feelings have gotten involved. But I think it's incredibly misleading to, you know, sum this all up into into that, into being an anti-feminist thing, because I just don't believe that it is. I personally don't either. Again, it's our opinion. Right. And as as women, I think that we are maybe more entitled to an opinion on on whether or not it's a quote feminist issue than others and I never felt that way ever in my own my own feelings on it. I think that what really the one thing that I think I had the biggest issue with in all of this was Taylor's initial story, the way that she broke it. If you look at that story, it's a picture of the FaceTime between Justin Bieber, Kanye, and Scooter. The caption is, what's up, Taylor Swift, which was 
obviously wrong and Justin should have done it. But the way that she broke this story was by putting a red circle around Scooter's face with a red arrow that said, this is Scooter Braun. Like, this is the man that bullied me for years. He's now in charge of everything. To me, that set us all off for this narrative being completely misconstrued. I thought that the way that she did that put a target on his back. Because you want to know something? That's not the issue here. The issue is that you rightfully so want your music back as you should have it. But to literally put a target around Scooter Braun's face, I thought that was very misleading. I also felt like, like Julie said earlier, you know, I think that when people think of Taylor Swift or something that at least we heard from um, a lot of the people that are really in her camp is that she's incredibly, and I, I mean this in a positive way, calculated in what she does and the way she does things and even if it's not directly related to her, like, you know, writing that that letter to the, the governor of, T- of Tennessee for um, equal rights for LGBTQ, like, she's very calculated and very smart in what she does. And the reason that I think that this was a little different was that her post seemed to me so out of emotion. And I know the response to that is she's human. Of course, she's going to have emotion. Of course, she does. But when you are that level of fame, when you're a Beyonce, a Kim Kardashian, a Taylor Swift, I know they're all different for different things, but when you have that level of fandom, you cannot speak solely out of emotion and not take into consideration what your fans are going to then do with that. I believe, no, we didn't see the threats that, that Scooter's family is getting, but I can imagine that. Oh, I, I did. I see If the, you read through the comments on Scooter's post about that acquisition, it's awful. The posts on that are, the comments from her fans are it goes above and beyond what any person should have a reaction to this story. And I want to say, just to show how much we like disagree with that, when Chloe's fans, I'm just equating this because you guys know like our involvement with the Kardashians. When Chloe's when the whole thing happened with Jordan, the way that Chloe's fans were commenting on Jordan's picture were also disgusting. And we didn't agree with that at all, even though we thought that Jordan was more in the wrong than Chloe, obviously. Same as when Beyonce fans came after the Warriors owner's wife during that whole misunderstanding on on the sidelines. The difference, I will say, in the Beyonce case is that Beyonce released a statement saying, whoa, you guys cannot do that. And obviously it's a different situation. It's not like Beyonce was coming out against his wife and all of these things. And it wasn't like she was, you know, writing a story about what she did. But it, it was like, I, I don't support this bullying. And if and if you, you know, love the person that you claim to love so much, then you won't be bullying on their behalf. That's how I feel about, about Taylor Swift fans. If you claim to love this person so much, then you wouldn't be bullying and doing the exact thing that she has spent her entire career speaking out against. And on the flip side of that, if you believe that that's an action that Taylor would want you to take, then that says all we need to know. Because quite frankly, I can't imagine a scenario in which Taylor Swift would be okay with her fans attacking Scooter Braun's children and wife. It just doesn't add up to me and it just doesn't seem like Taylor. I I completely, completely agree with you. Another thing that I thought was really bizarre about the whole thing is that if you remember, after the whole scandal happened with Famous and, and Kanye and everything... You know, Taylor was initially upset, just to take you back for a quarter of a second, I know most of you know that she was initially upset because she said that line, um, me and Taylor might still have sex, I made that bitch famous, she didn't know about it. So the, the what, what happened was she said that she was aware, which is the phone call that Kim recorded, of the line that said, I think me and Taylor might still have sex, that she was aware of. The line she said she was not aware of was, I made that bitch famous. Right, but an, before Kim came out with the recording, everybody obviously banned behind Taylor and said, like, how fucked up of Kanye to release the song and to not give her a heads up. 
When Kim then released that video, it was almost as if Taylor was caught in a lie. And that's when like, you know, people were saying all the snake stuff and all that kind of stuff. And that's when she then came out with Julie just said and said like, no, I didn't know about one line. I didn't know about the other. What people didn't respond well to was the fact that, hey, so you knew about one. Like it, her initial statement was a little bit confusing because she didn't even make it seem like she knew about any of the lines. Okay. What I was confused by, why after that, she received such hate. And again, nothing that we supported. But after all of that, in this statement against Scooter, which again, if the effort is really to get your music back, why are you re-bringing up Kim Kardashian illegally recording you? Well, exactly. And Taylor's most famous line is, please remove me from this narrative about that. Don't bring it up when it's then convenient for you. And I think that situation really correlates to this one as well. It's the convenience of leaving out pieces of information. In, in her statement, you know, it would have carried the same weight had she said in her initial statement, you know, I'm so, um, you know, beyond disappointed in the team and the, the, that Scooter Braun has bought the company. My dad is a shareholder. That's important information. Whether he was on that call or not, whether he knew anything or not, that is important information to release because the second that came out, it was like, whoa, your dad is a shareholder in that company and we had no idea. It, it just... When you're coming forward with a statement, it's like you have to be prepared that there are things that are going to come out that are going to, you know, kind of counteract what you're saying. It's better to get in front of them and just release all that information at once. I don't believe that if her initial statement came out saying her dad's a shareholder, but he was not aware, that would have taken away anything from what she was saying. My confusion, again, with this whole thing is why the narrative that Scooter Braun is evil. I don't understand because with Scooter, and correct me if I'm wrong, should Scooter Braun not have acquired a company in a business deal just because there's previous issues with Taylor that he may or may not have been fully aware of? I, which he's supposed to pass on a $300 million business acquisition because Taylor's feelings might get hurt. In my opinion, no. I'm a fully in agreement with you. I, I don't believe the narrative that people are saying that this entire thing was out of spite. I just can't see it. Because whether or not you like the guy, to be semi-responsible for the careers of Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, these massive stars, you have to have a certain level of intelligence, a certain level of integrity, and a certain level of business savviness, okay? So doesn't seem like a guy like that is going to put up an insane amount of money as an act of, quote, bullying, which my biggest issue with all of this is, the word bullying, it's kind of like the way I felt about it when the housewives would say it and the things. It's like, listen, there are kids every day that are really bullied and really taking their lives for being tormented in school for a million different reasons. I'm sorry. To me, this isn't bullying, any of this. I just The I, word is used too loosely. I, think, I agree. And the, I think that most people would agree with that. On either end, I think it totally takes out the legitimacy of the people that are actually bullied. Not not the people that we see in Hollywood, not these massive celebrities, the people in, you know, your, your random school in Oklahoma. Like, that's what I see. It's just, and to, you know, switch the narrative that Scooter Braun is evil. It's like, why does he deserve to be bullied, but you don't you don't need to be? I don't understand. I'm, I'm very confused by the Scooter Braun is evil narrative and I invite anyone who fully understands it and why it's being said to explain it to me in a respectful in a, in a respectful way but I I'm just so curious and so confused because again I said before th the examples that Taylor gave of Scooter being evil were or Scooter being you know the worst case scenario for this to end up and that she's you know crying whenever his name is brought up which she may have 
But all of those examples were things that he did not directly do to her. The second part of this is Todrick. Um, captioning his Instagram, Scooter Braun is evil, evil, evil. Again, when you released the email that you sent to Scooter parting ways with him, yeah, that, you know, clarified your side that you dropped him, he didn't drop you. But on the flip side of that, that is not an email that you send to somebody that you believe to be evil. It was a very respectful, very nice, thanked him for the years of hard work, understood that he is not maybe at the level of Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande, and therefore Scooter couldn't have, you know, given him the same opportunities that he believes he deserves. And he understands that, but he's moving forward with the best interest. How did that email get switched to Scooter Braun is evil and everyone in Hollywood is now canceling him? Because everything that I've read about Scooter Braun, and again, this could be me being naive, is, you know, an... an from his clients, you know, Justin Bieber, he saved my life. Ariana Grande, I can't even thank him for everything he's done. Demi Lovato, I signed with him and he has helped me through sobriety in ways that I cannot, like, I can't express. I'm just confused what the actual facts are to back up the fact that this claim that Scooter Braun is evil. And if you are going to attack him, attack his family, cancel him, try to ruin his business, then you better have hard facts that somebody is what you claim they are. And for Todrick to come forward and say, I believe he's homophobic, that's fine. As a gay man in the community, you are allowed to make that claim. But back it up. Give some room because it's not fair for you to come forward and attack someone's character without any sort of facts or, or anything to back it up. I completely agree. I We were both so absolutely mind blown by the way that this took storm because I didn't expect it to happen in the way it did. Like, we keep saying it because it's so true. The issue, the core issue at hand is one that I think anybody can get behind. This woman deserves to own her music. How that's Scooter Braun's fault, I can't see. And also, this happened on what? The actual deal took place, I believe, on the 30th? The, the 30th, it was announced, or the 29th. What is it now, the, the first? Yeah. Right. Let's say, let's just throw it out there that Scooter really is planning on on selling her her music back or giving it to her or whatever he's going to do. Does the man get 24 hours? Yeah, by the way, that is would be one of the largest <laughs> business deals for this the big machine label group. For you to assume that 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 Scooter is just going to come forward and say, okay, I'm going to sell all of her music back, no problem, here it is. That is ridiculous. What this whole situation comes down to is, for the most part, a lack of understanding how businesses work. This is far beyond, like, the understanding of just this is something on a personal level. This is business. This is people's lives. And as Scott Borchetta said in his statement, he's responsible for 120 executives and other artists. This is not the Taylor Swift show. This is not, she's not even a part of this label. She's asking for the courtesy of, of being a member of this label without being a member of the label. And quite frankly, if, if Taylor is going to text Scott Borchetta to say that she's signing with Republic, the morning before the announcement comes out, why is it any different that he texted her the morning before this announcement came out? What's the difference there? I don't see any difference. I, that's, that's my thing. It's like I genuinely, you know, what's interesting about this, Julie, is that I think that I went into this with a, a more neutral view than I expected you to based on obviously like your feelings on Taylor. And I have to say you really shocked me with how like Julie genuinely was speaking about this so not just on this podcast like literally when we were in private like she was really trying to gather all the facts and make sense of it and we still after researching everything we have come to the conclusion that while we agree with the core issue the way that it was presented totally shifted the narrative and I think it did her if her end goal is to get her music back and not to vilify Scooter 
I think she did a disservice to herself by starting the whole thing off with that Instagram story post. I can't get over that red light, that red, that to me, if we're going to use the term quote bullying, which I hate, that to me is bullying in this circumstance. The other reason that that post is incredibly, incredibly misleading is because unless you know a lot, that post could have been, she could have made it seem like that post was from today. How do you know that's 2016? Where in there did she say it's an old post? And yes, it doesn't matter that it's an old post because it seems like he's, when she puts that up, it seems like he's taunting her on the day that the music label was sold. And going back to, you know, the whole neutral thing, I truly feel that my opinions in this case are not a reflection of Taylor Swift. I disagree with the wording of her original statement. My feelings and my anger towards the way this whole thing is being handled is more of a reflection of her fans and the way that they are reacting. And the fact that they are so unwilling to to wait and see what information is going to come out before you're going and straighting attacking Scooter Braun. How are you not going to let somebody else come out with their side of the story before you threaten his family? I just don't get it. It's... I understand Taylor speaking out of emotion and I think we can all understand being put in a position where you're so upset and it's hard for you to speak clearly. As an artist with such a big platform, I don't think it's right for you to release that statement until you've gathered all your thoughts, emotions, facts, spoken to everybody and then put out a statement. But regardless, she did that. It's the way that people are reacting in the aftermath that they're so unwilling to understand the other side of the story that's like appalling to me. It's like so frustrating. I like... It was to the point where when this story was breaking and you and I were talking about it, it was like I didn't even want to speak about it because her fans are just so incessant and, and and not resolving in these issues that it's like it made me nervous to even want to come forward and speak about it. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that there should ever be a position in, you know, the things that you and I talk about on the podcast where we should be nervous to give our opinions because our opinions are genuinely positive and genuinely in favor of, you know, what's right and it's not fair for us to have an opinion of you know we don't think this is right how dare but how dare they say that we're wrong in that opinion just like how dare we say they're wrong in their opinion if they want to have it exactly it's just ours we got this was so interesting we got an email from this girl who's like i love you guys you know i subscribe to the patreon i i follow you i listen to the podcast i'm obsessed with it all and i also happen to be a diehard taylor swift fan and she says This was right after we posted the Justin Bieber post, the initial one. And she says, I have to say, I'm really disappointed at the way that you're handling this Taylor situation. Mind you, Kara had not commented on Justin's yet. Just to keep clarifying that. And goes on this whole long email. A nice, a respectful one. We Like a a very healthy dialogue. But she was like, I really disagree with the way that you're handling this and your bias towards Taylor. And I responded to her and I said – listen, I hear everything you're saying. I first asked, I said, I can't type as, as much as I would want to. Do you want to talk on the phone? That's what I said back to her. And she said, I'm actually getting on a flight. I can't right now. Like, thank you so much for responding. I was kind of just like voicing it. And I said, listen, I think a lot of the points that you made are very valid in terms of your feelings on Taylor. And I respect that. I was like, I don't agree with the line where you say you're disappointed at the way we're handling it. I was like, as we speak, Julie is formatting Cara Delevingne's comment to post immediately just after. I was like, Our job at the core is to break celebrity news on Instagram, and that is what we're doing. I was like, so I think by you saying that you're disappointed at the way we're handling it is actually your own bias towards the way that we may not feel, we may not put this person on the pedestal that you in the way that you do, and that's coming across. I was like, we didn't even do a podcast about it yet, and she responded, and she was like, you know what? You are so right. I just spoke out of immediate anger by this whole situation and how defensive I was. And I really appreciated that that healthy conversation that we were able to have because it's it's very, you know, in the scheme of things, like I said, we are at the 
bottom in terms of the people that are affected by this. Obviously, we're not equating ourselves. But to be vilified for having an opinion and trying to convey it is a very unsettling feeling that until you've been on the other side, you don't really know what that's like. Yeah. And I, I think we've gotten a number of really interesting inboxes. One that uh, that we kept getting was people saying to us, I'm really nervous for the way you're going to speak about this. Which, first of all, if you've listened to the podcast, I, I think that you would know by now that we have the ability to be completely objective. And the other side of that is if you're nervous for the way we're speaking about something, that means that you know that there's a disconnect here. If you believe somebody is 100% right and and you are, you know, there's no room for error for them to be wrong, not a possible way, then, you are, then you're not nervous for the way it's going to be handled because there's only one way to handle it in your opinion. I'm not saying that's a criticism of her. I'm saying it's right. You are allowed to be nervous of the way we're handling it because you can accept that there are two sides. This is such a classic example of there are three sides to every story. His side, her side, and the truth. And that's what this is here. I'm not saying Scooter side's 100%. I have no knowledge of when Allison and Yael come forward and say that Scooter is, you know, advocated for her more time, advocated for Taylor more times than she could ever understand behind closed doors. I have no knowledge of that. It's their word against hers. But the fact of the matter is, is that Taylor is also saying things about Scooter and Scooter... There's so many stories here and it's okay to not know what to believe and to not understand, but get all of the facts before you choose a side. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. And is- you don't have to choose a side. Our side is that Scooter Braun is not an evil human being and Taylor Swift has the right to own her music. To me, that's pretty neutral. Completely agree with you. A thousand percent. That's also the reason that we specifically thought this out long and hard in the way we wanted to organize this episode. Because if you wanted to stop listening after we gave the facts so be it. That's completely fine. We are allowed to engage in a discussion and explain how we feel as long as that's not corrupting any of the facts, which it's not. That's why I made it a point to read both sides. I am sweating profusely. Sweating, sweating, sweating. I am dripping sweat. That was seriously so intense. I have one other thing that we forgot to add. A lot of things people messaged us about asking about was Scooter Braun and Carly Kloss. I can't believe we almost forgot that. Okay, here's the deal. Obviously, Carly Kloss is very close friends with Taylor. Or, or apparently was. At, at, at one time was. We don't know. We, they've never had a public falling out. We don't know. They may as well. They could be good friends for all that we know. She was in Taylor's like girl gang. Scooter Braun manages Carly Kloss. Last week, Carly Kloss got married to Joshua Kushner in Wyoming at this gorgeous ceremony. Gorgeous. Go, like beyond. Oh, my God. Scooter and Yael were there. Taylor was not. I don't know anything other than that, but it is a very interesting point. Just, yeah, just an interesting snippet. People, a lot of people asked us. I don't know if they had a falling out or if not. I mean, people made the claim that Taylor wasn't going because Scooter was there. I can't imagine she would be that childish. The whole thing is just really insane. Just an interesting thing that I know people wanted us to touch on. It, it is It is interesting. I, there's a number of people who have said, if I can know anything about something that went on in Hollywood, that we aren't, that information we're not privy to, it would be what happened between Taylor and Carly Kloss. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I have no idea. Okay, is there anything else that you want to add? I can't believe Taylor released a statement on Tumblr. I know. You know they took porn off of that? What is she even <laughs> doing on there anymore? I know. Is there anything else, though? No, I just want to end on a light note. <laughs> Okay, we love you guys. We got through that as best as we could. We are gonna here's the update for this week. After we we take a breather after this, we're gonna record our Jordan Gate part five emergency not emergency episode, regular Kardashian bonus show. We'll release that. And then we'll probably release the regular podcast, I would imagine, on Wednesday, maybe, um, just to let it breathe. But if not, it'll go live tomorrow. We're not really sure. This is happening as we speak and as we're unfolding it. Again, it is 
12.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, July 1st. So anything that's happened in the past couple hours was not included in this. And please go easy on us. Please. I'm literally begging you. I, I don't know if I can handle it if you're I not. I tried I, my hardest. I swear I did. I can. It's too much for it's too much for two people, especially two people that the last thing we ever want to do is convey that. So those are our thoughts. And <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.